Coming to you from the Morningstar Mission sponsored studio, this is Carl and Crew Mornings. Life is hard. We're just... No kidding. Cogitating, postulating. Yeah. But what made you kind of land Well, there? we were just cogitating, postulating on this, mm-hmm. that life is hard. And Allie's got some insight about why life is hard. Why is life hard? Oh, that's a tough one for me to answer. <laughs> no, it's not. You just nailed it well, a second ago. You know, I think I, you're right on. I, I'll share a story that my my mother-in-law, who grew up in Haiti, and if you know anything about Haiti, it's the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. Hand to mouth. Um, extremely difficult, extreme poverty. Um, and so she challenged me one time. It was loving. It hurt a little bit, but I was frustrated or upset or stressed out about something kind of insignificant in hindsight. But she basically said, you know, part of your frustration is that you sort of expect things to go well or you expect things to be easy. And it kind of stung because I wanted to kind of go, well, no, I don't. And <laughs> But then I had to, had to take some perspective. Yeah, I, I there's this expectation that things are going to go well and that things should be easy and that I shouldn't have these challenges and obstacles. And that makes life hard when stuff comes up. Get that right, sister. I think that's spot on. Well, welcome aboard, Boom Crew, helping you take your next step with Jesus. By the way, this whole week is Ask the Experts. We're going to have Gary and Barb Rosberg coming up at the bottom of the hour, and then we're going to go live with them at the 6 o'clock hour. Bring your questions to the table. Get them ready. Everything related to marriage Everything related to marriage, we're going to focus on that. We're not going to get into family too much because we got Arlene Pelican coming up right behind them. Oh, yeah, we got quite the lineup. We got a lineup this week and a half, Dr. Marriage is what brings us together today. (laughs) It's such a great I didn't see that one coming. Me neither. Marriage. (laughs) So good. Marriage. Marriage. That guy. What What a goob. What a total goob. I love him. He's great. Uh, Okay, coming up here, we're going to talk about what are you an expert at? Yeah. And Young Thunder gets to get us started. Huh? Because he's young, but he's an old soul. So we know he's an expert at some good stuff. (laughs) What is he an expert at? And I can tell you this, it's not that video game that has Luigi and... Oh, it's not? No. Oh. Because I beat you. I spanked him on that I thing beat right you. in It's here. on video on I Facebook. I took you oh, down. Wow. I beat you. Wow. Okay. It's on video. What's the, name of, what's the name of that game? Mario Kart. Didn't I take you in one of those games? <laughs> ah, you might have, but yeah, I beat, I I beat you, you on the one on film. Wow. <laughs> Why didn't we keep All the right. film rolling? <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't handle that one that's in outer space. Yeah, Rainbow Road. Rainbow Road. Every that's time. horrible, man. That is bad news. Give me the flat track, baby. Absolutely. That's what I need. All right. Coming up here, what are we experts at? Mine is not Mario Kart. <laughs> All right. Hang on. Talking about Jesus and having fun while doing it. We're Carl and Crew Mornings. Overcoming a self-led life. Oh, yeah. You know what? Making theme theme songs now? Okay. (laughs) Self-led life. Don't want to have self-led life. What was what was it's that? It's like Annie. It's yes. a hard knock life. Yeah, oh. yes, yes, yes. Wow, that's die, so like Annie. It's I a self-led life. That. Yeah, you got it. For Name that us, tune. It's a hard knock life. Yeah, yeah I so, remember that so one. change it to self-led life. That's what we're talking about here today. <laughs> we're talking about overcoming a self-led 
life. It could be a theme song for the Christian community. Mm. We should do a worship song about that, kind of with the Annie theme. (laughs) (laughs) A self-led life for us. Don't want to be. Yeah, I mean, it would be great, man. We got to get rid of this self-led life. Mm -hmm. So how do we do it? We're going to tackle three aspects of this right now. When you overcome a self-led life in the flesh, what's it look like, Allie? Not that I'm asking that you're an expert or something at it. Uh, what do you What do you mean? When you're trying to say, I'm wanting to give this to God, I'm wanting to give this to God, what's it look like with it you've not won? Come on, let's go after this. Oh, I mean, just trying a bunch of different things that I've read in books. Yeah, anecdotal stuff. Just, mm-hmm. just piecemealing kind of solutions that I've read or heard. I'll get into repetitive prayers where mm. I'll, I'll be really? like, God, Take this, take this, take this, oh, take this, yeah. take this. And then I realize, yeah, Jesus said this isn't about the amount of words you say. Hmm. So what is hmm. it then? Well, let's tackle one coming right out of the chute here. We mentioned this yesterday, and we're going to mention it until the cows come home or we are no longer doing this show. And the cows aren't coming home until we're done doing this show. There you go. <laughs> so here it is. Humility is a vital baseline for everything that we do, period. You humble yourself under God's mighty hand, and he will lift you up. You become as a child, and you are going to become great in the kingdom of God. The way up is down in God's economy. And if we're going to join God, one of the greatest things we can do is just constantly say, God, I just humble myself before you. And it's about verbally saying to God, God, you are God. I am not. I want to willfully, and I delight in saying, I do not have the answers, and I don't want this self-led life. Lead on, King Eternal. And the humility is is a tough one because it is it's a choice. You you say this often that if we're spe- expecting to sort of become humble people, that might be the wrong thing to wait for. You're going to wait a long time. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. Take a wait. number. Yeah, you're going to wait gonna a long time. I'm just going to wake up humble one day. Yeah, that's like going to the DMV and expecting to get served quickly. <laughs> I mean, it ain't going to happen. I mean, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. So humility is something, ironically, that is, it is the opposite of everything that we've been trained to do. Jesus says in Matthew 25, 23, 11, he says, the greatest among you shall be your servant. It's that posturing of oneself, not that I've got it, but that he's got it and I'm going to come underneath him. Mm-hmm. It's an amazing picture. And it's dependence on God that puts God in his proper place and puts me in my proper place. Big time. Where I'm not, I'm not exalting myself, but it's not self-loathing. Why are we slow mm. to be humble? Hmm. Because everything around us encourages us to be proud and boastful. Yes. You know, I think that's true. It's culture. I was watching uh I was watching the Instagram accounts, I'm not going to say of who, but of a few super high profile people. Mm-hmm. And I was blown away by something. Blown away. These are uber high profile, super celebrity people. I was blown away by how the expectation for them was to flaunt their stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was blown away. I mean, the messaging that we're getting from those that have 
20, 30, 40, 100 million followers is that you have got to, you've got to have it together. Mm -hmm. You got to put it out there. I mean, you've got to have the latest, you got to have the greatest and you've got to have, I mean, I, in fact, I was, um, I was blown away there. The world lost a big fashion icon Yeah, who uh, I was reading his bio, but in his bio, it said that he was the brand maker of some of the most famous mm-hmm. people out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, the brand maker. I'm not even going to mention who they are, but he was the brand maker for them. And I thought, what a fascinating thing. But the yeah. brand that he's making for people is that they've got it together. Yeah. So when you got the highest profile Instagram personalities out there that their branding is that I've got it together. Is it any wonder that we're, I mean, humility is the antithesis of a multi-million followed Instagram account. But at the same time, certainly the, the temptation to be prideful and to not be humble is not new. I mean, it predated social media by many, many years. Oh, right? no, it's not a new <laughs> phenomenon. I mean, this has been around for forever. Is there, you can be not on social media at all and, and not embrace humility. Yeah, this isn't an opportunity for you to go, yeah, I told you, Pastor Carl's <laughs> right. It's those Instagram kids. They're the bad ones. Ooh. All I'm saying is that that's anecdotal of a picture oh, of yeah. what's going on no in our question. culture. But, I mean, where, when's the last time we applauded someone for saying, well, I take that back. It seems like we err on we it seems like we go one way or the other. Either we elevate the super prideful or the super broken mm. and very mm-hmm. little in between. But mm. the silent warriors that are really humbling, trusting on God, mm-hmm. man, they might go unnoticed by public, but they don't go unnoticed by God. And so why is humility such an important virtue to cultivate if we are going to join God and have an overcoming Life, uh, a life where we are not self-led, we're depending on God. Yeah, and out of it comes just amazing blessing. We see it over and over again. Humble yourself under God's mighty hand, and he will lift you up. Now, every one of these three ways to join God that we're tackling here have a promise attached to it. The first one is, you humble yourself, you're going to be lifted up, which is kind of cool. And you say, can you be motivated by that? Absolutely. But the second one is... Well, hang on. We'll tell you about it straight ahead. New to the show? Stick around for a while. We're Carl and Crew Mornings. All right. For uh, this week and all of next, with the exception of Freedom Friday, I can say it, we're overcoming the self-led life. Why is it important to overcome the self-led life? Well, because a self-led life is unbiblical and it's unfruitful. Boom. And that second little portion, you probably knew it, but it sets up what we're going to tackle here. Because according to Jesus, the only way that we can get away from a self-led life is to have a spirit-filled life. Mm. And the only way to have a spirit-filled life is proximity to Jesus. Uh, have we got a, Somebody got their Bible open in there? Anybody got a Bible around I can here? get it sure. open. Yes. Uh, somebody get a Bible open. Let's go to John 15, 4 and 5. And verse 8. So John 15, 4 and 5, and verse 8. As we're setting this up, Jesus is with his disciples. This is a go-to passage for us. He's with his disciples on his way to the cross, and he's explaining to them how to live 
apart from a self-led life and how to the promise here is producing massive fruit in our life. Yep. John 15, four through five, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit for apart from me, you can do nothing. And then jumping down to verse eight, by this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. This is one of the most mind-boggling, paradigm-shifting passages in all the scripture. I was raised, bottom line, the not-so-subtle message in the church I was raised in is, you better have a self-led life. It wasn't mm. even foggy. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I could see. I I was raised similarly. Like, it, it's you help yourself and you help your people, and that's about it. Get to work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you Work go, hard. Work hard. Make it happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, perform, perform. I've right. told you guys before, this youth evangelist came through town, and he said, if you really love God, you'll put your Bible on top of the stack of all your books when you're walking around your halls at school. And mm-hmm. so I tried that. Well, that didn't help me. (laughs) That drug me backwards. And it showed me what a spineless coward I was and Mm. because I didn't even know Jesus. Mm. One dude asked me, he goes, why do you have your Bible there? He said, man, you cuss like a sailor. Why do you have your Bible on top of your books? Oh, Mm. boy. I'm like, good point. I went back to the locker in between (laughs) periods and I put that Bible back where it belonged, which was on a shelf because God was on a shelf in my life. Now, after I was born again, everything changed. But the tendency is to still think, oh, I got to put the Bible on top of my stack. Yeah. And which is why we're tempted to measure ourselves based on things like how how is my Bible reading coming? How's my prayer life? How often am I going to church? How many teams am I serving on at church? Uh, How many times have I shared the gospel this week? We're tempted to use sort of a metric system to try to gauge how we're doing with God. How am I performing in these categories? So true. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is so deadly. Coming up, we're going to do something a little bit different here. We're going to talk about the life of performance. And we're going to go after this. Not only, we know that it didn't work. That's a given. But how didn't it work? How did a life of performance Christianity, the self-led life, how did it not work? What does it result in? How do you know it's impotent? We're going to talk about that coming up straight ahead. Coming to you live from the Morningstar Mission Sponsored Studios, this is Carl and Crew Mornings on 90.1 FM Moody Radio. Uh, you know what we got to have this morning? Um, What's that? We got to gotta have Young Thunder singing a little love. <laughs> oh, you're going to make me do that today? Oh, yes. yeah. We okay. got to do that. It's you know, we got to do like that. a good day for Oh, us. yeah, this is a good day. <laughs> yeah. As a matter of fact, let's do that. We got some great... I realize g- no, that get- his voice is still not totally awake. Oh, no, he's ready. He's ready to he's rumble, ready. man. He's like a crooner from way back. You okay. ready to rumble here? Uh, sure, right now? Yeah, well, hang on. I'm okay. about to cue you up because we got a couple special guests in the house this morning. Who are going to get to hear Jonathan. <laughs> he's going to sing for the very first time for this. This is anointed stuff. But do you know that this is like having company over to the house? Yeah, and then you break out <laughs> the kids and they show all their tricks. <laughs> 
Well, I've already hey, been Johnny, doing that. Sing a little song for me. No, I've already choir. been doing this this morning. I've already been doing this. I've been I've been bragging on Allie. Allie says, "Stop it!" And I said, "I'm going to be a dad if I want to be." <laughs> I can't imagine what it's like when Carl has company. Before I oh, start no, singing, it's, awful. it's nice to meet you guys. By the way, <laughs> Gary and Mark, <laughs> <Jonathan>. it's very <laughs> nice to meet you. Oh, we all right, let's give introductions. So, who, here. who are these people? Well, you've been hearing them a little bit this morning already. Dr. Gary and Barb Rosberg. They are sought after life marriage coaches. They co-founded the Rosberg Group, where they provide marriage coaching. They are kind of America's family coaches. They, they are. They do this and they do it well. They do it really well. As a matter of fact, I was talking to Gary this morning. You were here for Promise Keepers down at Soldier Field speaking to about 40,000, 50,000 guys. That was a great event, huh? It was a crazy event. It was a, It was 1997. And uh, I remember Dr. Howard Hendricks. He was, was on one the, of the other speaker. Oh my goodness! You guys were tearing it up. And, and before I went up, I said, "Prof, I don't think I want to do this." He said, "Gary, you got to do this." And um, it was such a blessing. Yeah, um, I think Tony Evans might have been at that one, if I recall. But it was, uh, it was, it was unbelievable. And I had some great stuff happen to me during that event that brought some healing yeah. from some experience in high school where I grew up in Waukegan, Illinois. Yeah, and you got actually roughed up one time back in the day. I got roughed up downtown Chicago on a bus. Um, and, and you got you got healing from that at that... at that um, Carl, it, it was unbelievable. I, I mean, I haven't told that story in a long time, but I got roughed up in 1969 on a bus during all the racial stuff that was kicking back then. And um, before I went up on the platform... The day before, the MC said, anybody got anything cooking in their lives that could inhibit God from using you mightily? And I just flashed back on this experience and said, well, something did happen. Uh, they said, And I told them about it. And they said, well, we just pray that God somehow does a work before you get on that platform tomorrow afternoon on Saturday afternoon. Because I, I gave the husband dad talk. And um, moments before, an hour before, God did some healing. Oh, so, wow. You know what it was, and, that, and how that healing happened is like super That's duper. Awesome. Well, it, it was. You want me to tell it? Give it get as cliff notes as you can. Cliff do notes. it. I'm, I'm walking along and I see about thirty African American guys in these ugly green hats sitting at the forty yard line eating lunch. And I said, "You guys either go to the same church. You got a big deal on those hats because those are the ugliest lime green hats <laughs> I've ever seen." And they loved it. And they loved it. And it was three generations: grandpas and dads oh. and little kids. And they say, "Hey, come on up here." Went up. They said, what are you doing here? I said, well, I, I help men and um, didn't tell them I was speaking or anything. And we started talking and they grew up in Waukegan, or they were in Waukegan, Illinois, at a church right down the street from my junior high school. And I said, well, I'm from Waukegan, Illinois. They said, what's your name? I told them my name. And Barb loves this part of the story because one of the guys said, you played basketball with my little brother. Oh. And yeah, I mean, that, that's the only time that's ever happened. <laughs> I guarantee because it was over. And then the the uh, MC said, you know, uh, let's just pray over your pastors before we go into the afternoon speakers. And so these guys said, well, you know, Gary, our pastor's not here. Can we pray over you? And I go, you guys, you don't need to pray over me. I, I just help guys. And they said, well, would you just pray over me? And um, so now 30 guys, you know, 60 hands are laying all over me. Mm. And I mean, on my knees and my head and they're hugging me and and I could sense the healing from what happened in 1969 just ooze out of my pores. And, I, and I'm weeping. And I got to go up and speak, and I'm already shot emotionally. And, wow. and I went back uh, behind the stage at Soldier <laughs> Field, and I said, you guys, you're not, and told the other speakers, you're not going to believe what God did. 
And so we had a hallelujah chorus back yeah, there. Yeah, absolutely. And then I got up on the platform, and I hear these cheers from the 40-yard line. And it's like, there's it's your guy guys. up there. <laughs> oh. yeah, so, that so. is so cool. Well, yeah. that's a little taste of what we're going to have here today. Relevant, powerful, good stuff. We're going to be talking love and marriage and all that. Uh, so we're going to do this. We don't need a song right now from some recording artist at all. <laughs> We do have no, Young we Thunder. Don't. Oh, no. because, but I also want to throw this in. We yeah. want you to get your text message. Yes, let's questions get that in, in right now. Uh, we'll take calls and texts if you have a question uh, about marriage, about relationships. Go ahead and text us and we will get as many in. I know some already, I'm seeing some already come in yes. by email and text. So add yours, 312 274 9624. We can keep you totally anonymous. Just text and indicate that you would not like your name or number used. It's totally fine. 312 274 9624. Young Thunder, you are such a good sport, my man. All right, let's go a little L O V E today. Take off the day. L is for the way you look at me. O is for the only one I see. V is very, very. Extraordinary E is even more than anyone that you adore And love is all that I can give to you Love is more than just a game for two Two in love can make it Take my heart and please don't break it Love was made for me and you. Super Dye, take it away on the horn, sister! <laughs> oh, wow, she's ready to go. She's going. <laughs> Come on, Super Dye. Wake your loved one up, your spouse, your husband, your wife, and only start if dancing. W- only if love. they want to be woken up. No, wake love. them up anyway. It's love okay. Is in the air. Love is in the air today. <laughs> take it away, young thunder. Come on, man, finish it. L is for the way you look at me. O is for the only one I see. V is very, very extraordinary. E is even more than anyone that you adore. And love is all that I can give to you. Is more than just a game for two. Two in love can make it. Take my heart and please don't break it. Love was made for me and you. Love was made for me and you. Put a finish on it, baby. Love was made for me and you. way to start the day right there it's carlin crew mornings helping you take your next step with jesus we've got ask the experts all week long today dr gary and barb rosberg are in the house and we're going to be here until 9 a.m 9 a.m count them minutes i know but that that jonathan solo might have been a 
one time only. So you got yeah, the that's exclusive. It. Yeah. yeah, you're not going to get it the, the rest of the day. performance. It's the early so bird special. Early bird it. special. <laughs> that's right. Okay, coming up here, we're going to be taking your questions. In fact, the lines are open right now. You want to call in, you want to text in, we'll take your questions. 312-274-9624. New to the show? Stick around for a while. We're Carl and Crew Mornings. Here we go, guys. We have uh, got a week of Ask the Experts, and boy, we had a couple dandies in here today. Our topic is marriage. Dr. Gary and Barb Rosberg, America's family coaches, they do executive life and marriage co- coaching, award-winning authors, many books, and we're, they're taking your marriage questions today. All right. We've got one, Allie. Let's go for it, sister. Yeah, this one, uh, this, this one, along with another one that came right after it, very similar. Married for a lot of years. Mm. One spouse is a Christian. One is not. So lots of loneliness, lots of difference of opinions, and two people who could not be further apart. Yeah. What do you say? Well, it's hard. I mean, that's some of the most lonely, honest, discouraging times is when you are each serving something different or someone different and yeah. for the for the women in these situations that love Christ and they're pursuing him and they're filled with the spirit of God and they're wanting to connect and open up their hearts um, to their husbands yet their husbands are not seeking the Lord you know Barb when I met you you know we were we met on a blind date and I started to pursue uh, you and you didn't want anything to do with me <laughs> Barb, you hey, care to get a word in on that? Good morning. <laughs> hey, I was a brand new Christian. And uh, the similarity with these two incredible women that are courageous, let me tell you something. You think you're alone. The enemy of God wants you to believe you're alone, mm-hmm. but you are so surrounded by the presence of God. And where I would like to go with this, Gary, is this is an opportunity for God to be big and show up in your life. Boom. Because when we are under a trial from the enemy who's blinding us, holding us hostage, keeping us isolated, Hello, everybody. Have you been there with COVID? Okay. Yeah. This is a time when we know who we serve. We know that there is the power within us as we have received Christ. And it's a time of going to your knees, surrendering even more, and believing God for your marriage. Yeah. And who, if, who else is praying for your husband? Is anybody? Because if nobody else is, boy, this is a divine opportunity. Let me encourage you with one thing. That's good. You go into your closet, and I don't know if your closet has ever looked like mine, but when it's been a mess, I go in there and I pray. And I ask the Lord to come down, and I pray for my enemy. Now, it might be your husband at this point because he's acting like the enemy. But you get in there and you start sorting through all those hangers and you start sorting through those clothes of yours and you allow your hands to do while your mouth is praying to the Lord Jesus. And this is what I'm going to encourage you to do. You just say, thank you, Lord, for the trial. And thank you, God, for the suffering. And thank you, God, that my husband has broken my heart. Because you know what? When you pray and you are praising God, the enemy of God is going to run. I believe that. The enemy of God cannot coexist with praise. So the last thing we ever think about doing is praising God in the middle of a isolative 
hostage-taking situation when yeah. we feel like everything's over. Praise God. Praise you know God. You know what? If that was the theme of this whole morning, we'd be fine. Honestly. Yeah. We'd be fine. Yeah. No joking. A lot of this stuff... Um, I'm going to say this now. Janan and I spoke with Gary and Barbara Rosberg for a dozen years together on Family Life. And I remember going up to Dennis Rainey one day and pouring out my heart. And I said, Dennis, we've got some great talks on these weekends to remember. They're phenomenal. But if the power talk doesn't have the power of the Holy Spirit, all this stuff we're giving them is for naught. Yeah. It's all Band-Aids. Dennis really humbled himself. In that moment, Dennis looked at me and he said, you know what, Carl, you're right. And I remember that leader training weekend. He never said we had a talk, but I remember him coming and saying, if we don't have this power talk in place, and, and I'm not saying I did anything to precipitate yeah. that. All I'm saying is he had a Holy Spirit awareness moment that it's like, wow, it's got to be this. And Barb, I got to tell you, that's the way to kick this off out yeah. of the shoot. We took a super hard situation and said, this is the answer. Check this out, guys. This is the Apostle Paul preaching on your topic, who texted in that question. If a woman has an unbelieving husband and he is willing to live with her, she must not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified through his believing wife. And then Paul flips it around. And the unbelieving wife is sanctified through her believing husband. That word sanctified is huge. Yeah, what is that? Well, what is that? How do we apply that? Because I know there's a lot of confusion around that passage of scripture. It's a vision cast by the Apostle Paul saying untold, unimaginable things can happen when a believing spouse prays for an unbelieving. It's what Barb was just saying. Yeah. It's powerful. And, and here's what we know is that divorce is contagious. And there are probably a number of women that will speak into that lady's heart and say, you know what? I wouldn't stay. Right. You know what? There's no hope. I mean, there's no way he's going to change. And these are often well-intentioned people. Yes. But what we want to say is let marriage become contagious. Let stain become contagious. Yeah. Let the restoration, let the hope, let God do the work that God wants to do. Because God wants to bring that man unto himself. And so the woman, in many ways, as Barb said, needs to be interceding in prayer, but she needs to also stand back and realize the power of the Holy Spirit to bring that guy. I, I say, yeah, I hope that that guy's, and I say this respectfully, but I hope that he gets slammed up against the wall of himself yeah, so that he runs out of options and realizes that the God that she serves is the God that he desires, because I guarantee he is miserable. Yeah, that's exactly trying right. Trying to do it himself. We all are without Christ. We yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the interesting thing here is that, um, and I want to answer what Allie just asked, because it can look like a confusing passage. Paul is not guaranteeing that every unbelieving spouse is going to be radically right. born again and become D.L. Moody. But he is casting a vision that the most powerful spiritual work in an unbelieving spouse's life is through the believing spouse, hmm. which is amazing. And you know what, guys? I got to tell you, there's too many people today waving a white flag, wanting the easy route out. But what if you took the powerful route down hmm. and went lower and said, God, move? And that's what we're believing God for today. Carl. What a way to set this up here, Barb. Yeah. Carl, I was just, when you said go low. Yeah. 
Oh my gosh. Humility is power. Oh, and the world just doesn't even know how to define it. I can't say that I know how to define it. I, when I realized that I was so full of pride and this is a continual battle yes. for a lifetime, but um, following Gary coming home from his, his very first Promise Keepers as a participant, there was something so different about you and it rattled me for days. And I realized, I mean, he had changed from the time he left the house to the time he came back. Wow. And I thought there, there's something he's got that I don't have. And I just literally kept going before God. And I realized he had humility and I didn't. And when you talked about going low, that's where the power is. Yeah. We don't understand it. I mean, oftentimes, you know, it's we want to fight, we want to flight, we want to run, we want. But if we go to our knees. It's the only place. And drop. We, we've got to drop and surrender to God. You've got the whole God of the universe on your side and in your soul and in your spirit and in your intellect. And it's not until the rug's been pulled out and everything's been taken away that we find out whose we are and the power we have within us. Boom. But it takes trials. Yeah, it does. And we got to have them. It's Carlin Crew Mornings helping you take your next step with Jesus. Guys, listen, this is a week of Ask the Experts. We got a couple of just great friends of the show, incredible folks in here Dr. Gary and Barb Rosberg, marriage coaches, award winning authors, promise keeper speakers. Come on. Here's what I'm asking you to do right now I'm asking you to text in, they're coming in right now, your message, your question for Gary and Barb. 312-274-9624. You can call in as well. 312-274-9624. Got a question that came in by email. Uh, this is from a wife who has a husband who works third shift and works 12 hours at a time. She says, we have had several discussions about sharing responsibilities, but all of it seems one-sided to fall on me. I help the kids get ready for school, help with schoolwork, et cetera, et cetera. It's hard to balance it all when time is limited. What are things we can do to be helpers to one another? Yeah, let's try to let's give it two solid minutes to this thing. Who wants to take it? Barb? Well, um, I'm just asking for a Holy Spirit how yeah, to talk fast because when I was a young mother, I can so relate to this. Mm -hmm. Gary was working on his earned doctorate degree. He was working full time. He was teaching in graduate school, leaving before 6.15 in the morning, uh, getting home at 11.15 at night. And we had two children under the age of six. Oh, mm -hmm. man. They would get up after 6.15 a.m. They went to bed before 11.15 p.m. They were not seeing daddy. I was not seeing my best friend husband. I had been Gary's greatest, greatest advocate, cheerleader, wife, helpmate, to help him through and to achieve his goals, but I was worn out. Yeah. And when you boxcar seasons upon seasons and it is not uh, ending, two things can happen. You can break down emotionally mm -hmm. and you can go into almost a despair and depression. I gave up one day. I was exhausted. I had been doing this season after season after season. And I thought, why am I doing this by myself? Because I had like every good, wonderful woman, we know what to do. Mm -hmm. And we try to encourage our husbands. We need more daytime. We need more family time. Gary did not understand the intensity of um, how this was deconstructing our family. And so 
Here I'd been praying and praying a woman of prayer, but I gave up. And you know what's amazing is that when I gave up, and it did, it did not look good. I mean, in my heart of hearts, Gary still got dinner at the end of the day, and he got clean laundry, but God somehow shaped my husband. And when God works, it's it's more, it's thorough. Yeah. Coming up in a second here, Gary, I want your perspective on that one, because I think it's, you must have shared with Gary at some point what was going on in your heart. I did. Yeah. And uh, that's what we'll tackle. Let's hit the other part of that question. Boy, that's good. I'd never heard that analogy, box carring all of this. Seasons like Seasons that. like oh, that. Yeah. Carl and crew morning's helping you take your next step with Jesus. It's Ask the Experts this week. Here we we go, Allie. We have some experts on marriage, Dr. Gary and Barb Rosberg. They are life coaches, marriage coaches. They've done radio for a lot of years. And we're in the middle of a question that came in by email from a listener who has a husband who works third shift, 12 hours. They've talked about trying to share responsibilities, but this mom feels like everything's falling on her shoulders and she is tired. Barb, you shared you can totally relate to this. You went through a season where your husband was doing a PhD program and Mm -hmm. you were exhausted and you said you you gave up. Uh, I gave up. Go ahead. I was vacuuming with our inherited Hoover vacuum cleaner one day. (laughs) You know, I'd be crying and praying for my husband one minute and asking the Lord to really reach down and change his heart. Mm -hmm. And the next minute I turned off my Hoover and I thought, why am I the only one working? On our marriage. So, no, Gary. Let me ask you a quick question. <laughs> what kind of heart change were you praying for? Was it that you know what? God would call him to something I, else or, no, or what? I believed in the work that God was doing in my husband's life. I chose him for my husband. Mm-hmm. I love my husband. Like every woman listening, she chose to marry her husband because she loves her husband too. Right. It we starts see, that way. That's right. We see the good things. But the reality was I needed Gary to have a heart change to understand the importance of of the heavy lifting that it takes to be a family, Mm -hmm. to be in marriage, in covenant marriage, and to help parent the children together. Because it goes both ways, to bring out the best in a woman and to bring out the best in a husband. There's always two sides to every story. So Gary's got his side too. Well, nobody could get through to me. Uh, I've been in an accountability group with three guys since 1979. Boy, we're getting honest here, Gary. And this is good. they would ask me uh, how I was doing, and I'd blow smoke. My dad would ask me, I'd blow smoke. My, my pastor would ask me, I'd blow smoke. Um, nobody could get through to me, including Barb. And that wall was up between Barb and I. Um, until how long had you been married at this point? Seven years. Seven years. Seven okay. years. So little girls, five and two. And one day, Sarah, uh, who was five years old at the time, she's 44 with seven kids now. But uh, Sarah came to me with a piece of paper uh, rolled up in a scroll. And and I keep the uh, facsimile of it in my Bible with yellow yarn around it. It's right here, guys. Yellow yarn around it. And she had the same yellow uh, yarn around her pigtails. And she said, Daddy, can I show you a picture of our family? And I said, honey, not right now. Your daddy's studying. She said, I know you're preparing for your oral defense of your dissertation. The only (laughs) five-year-old in the neighborhood who had a dad preparing for his oral defense of a dissertation. And uh, so she comes back a couple minutes later and said, daddy, can I see your picture? Or can I show you a picture? And I slammed this table next to a chair that Barb had a garage sale to buy for me. It was 169 bucks. And we couldn't afford that, that chair, but she wanted me to have that chair. And so finally I said, Sarah, show daddy your picture. And she got on my lap, and I unraveled the scroll, 
took the yarn off it, and I opened it up, and there was Mommy, uh, M-O-M-Y. There was Sarah, the little girl, drawing it. There was her two-year-old sister, Missy, the dog. And across the top, it had the words, Our Family Best. And I said, I love your picture, honey. I'm going to hang this on the fridge, and every night when I come home from helping all these people, I'll look at that picture. And something started to gnaw at me. Where, and Where am I? Yeah, I, and I called her back in, and I said, Sarah, there's your mom, there's Missy, there's you. Where's your dad? And uh, she said, uh, you're at the library. You're oh, at the boy. library. And when she said that, um, it's like all bets were off. And she penetrated my heart. And, and I remember I said, okay, honey, I'm at the library. You, you go play. Your daddy's got to study. And I didn't say anything. Mm-hmm. I didn't do anything. Yeah. Um, and a couple of weeks later, Barb filled the house with all my professors and other PhD guys and, and uh, for a big party. And the, the picture hung on the refrigerator as a testimony to my failure. Mm. And who hung that picture there? Well, I hung it there. I okay. mean, you, you weren't playing Junior Holy Spirit. Oh, no, I think anything, I had thrown it away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that summer then, um, late one night, uh, I'm downstairs with this Bible and uh, this picture and pleading out to Holy God to save my family. And I went upstairs and I was too much of a chicken to turn on the light and Barb was in bed and I said, are you asleep? And and she said, no. And I remember going rats because I was just kind of rehearsing, you know, because that's what guys <laughs> Now do. I've got to do it. I know. That's it. And uh, then I said, did you see the picture? Yes. And I said, why didn't you say anything? And she said, Gary, that picture broke your heart. And then I asked the question that the person who texted her called is also asking, and they're yearning for their husband to ask. I said, can I come home to my family? I want to come home to my family. And, you know, Barb, I remember you said, I love you. And the girls love you, but Gary, nobody knows you. Oh, wow. Nobody. So it took me two years to come home. And I played Candyland with Missy, who's got five kids. She lives here in Chicago. Um, and I hate Candyland, but I could beat any guy <laughs> listening to your show on Candyland. Um, took Sarah out for broccoli sandwiches, Barb on date nights. And two years later, Missy came to me and said, I have a present for you. I said, what is it? She said, it's a picture of our family. I said, I don't do pictures of our family. You know, <laughs> give me a lobotomy or something. And she gave me a picture and that one uh, hangs in my study. Um, and I'm in the middle of the picture. Hmm. Yeah. And so to those listeners Allie and Carl, that are, are, are yearning for a man to come home. Um, Barb did it all right. Those kids did it right. It took me two years with a doctorate in counseling to find my way home. But you can come home. Giving hope directly from the source. We're Carl and Crew Mornings. All right, guys, uh, ask the experts all week long. This has been amazing. Went home yesterday. My bride said, whoa, this is going to be a week. She said today was awesome. That was with Dr. Lutzer yesterday. By the way, if you ever hear something, you're like, I need to hear that again. We've got a show cast, and we just want to encourage you to get it. Just whenever you can, text the word show to our number here, 312-274-9624, and we'll get that, we'll get that lined up. Also, we want to open the phone lines right now and Text messages. I think this is almost more important, text messages, and here's why. We can articulate for you what you might be afraid to talk about on air. Mm -hmm. Somebody recognize your voice or something like that. And we'll protect your anonymity. We don't see your names here anyway. We see your numbers, but we never shout those out on sensitive things. So 
We'd love to hear from you right now. What's your question for Dr. Gary and Barb Rosberg to 312-274-9624. Catch up where we've been because we got this developing story here. Yeah, it started with a question that came in from a listener by email who has a husband who's working third shift, 12-hour shifts, and she is totally overwhelmed. She's basically keeping the whole household running and the marriage is suffering. And she says, what are things that we can do to be helpers to one another? But really behind what's not being said is, how are we going to get out of this? Because this is a bad cycle. I'm overwhelmed. My husband's not around. And Gary and Barb have been kind of capturing their own, uh, living this out themselves of him working on a PhD and being absent and Barb getting totally overwhelmed. And she was a praying woman, but she reached a breaking point. There's a lot of women that wonder, do their men even know this? Absolutely. Right? Does he see? Does he care? I'm going to give you the inside scoop right now. Gary, tell me if I'm wrong. Most men have a hunch something's wrong, mm-hmm. but we're scared to death to admit it. Yeah, I, I think it's rooted in fear because a lot of us didn't see our dads do it. Uh, we, we don't have a blueprint what it looks like. And we delude ourselves because we're chasing what we think will bring satisfaction. And that's usually success. But success at the end of the road doesn't satisfy, um, and that would be a whole other show. But the thing that, that the two things that hit me, and you mentioned one of them before we went to the break, is is passivity, but the other one is pace. Uh, Barb and I just did an executive uh, coaches event in Florida a couple of weeks ago, and we had twenty guys all at the top of their game, and I said, "You guys, your pace is killing killing me. you." And nobody moved a muscle in that room. The wives didn't move a muscle. The guys didn't. And I said, your pace is killing you. And, and that's the, you know, the pot calling the kettle black. I mean, I get it. I mean, I understand pace. I understand doing way more than I can possibly pull off. But pace is what erodes the safety of relationships. Okay, that is awesome. And I feel like I've got something on my heart here that I think you can echo with. So I want you to talk about this. And then we'll, we'll bring in you ladies here in just a moment here. But this is, we're talking to men right now. And we don't do this a lot on this show. But this is very, in fact, I've felt prompted the Lord as of late to do this more and more on this show. But men's inherent thing is when we're faced with our weaknesses, we think we got to get stronger. Ironically, the scriptures say we got to get weaker. Mm. So we try to boot when a woman comes to us, when my wife comes to me, when Jubes comes to me and, and there's a hint of a failure, I think I got to get stronger. Now that's a demonic attack because the secret sauce of biblical manhood is humility yeah. Not trying to get stronger. No, you're right. In, in fact, when I was left out of that family picture and went into that dark bedroom with Barb, and I said, can I come home? And she said, nobody knows me. I backed out of that room with this Bible in my hand, Carl. And, and I started quietly, but I said, Barb, I'm coming home. I'm coming home. And then I got really loud. I'm coming home. I'm coming home. And then God brought me into humility because I knew I had to serve my way home. And it took me, with a doctorate degree in counseling, it, and, and just started a Christian counseling center, took me two years to serve my way home. And it's because I think Satan's bait and our bent is to think the way out is to get tougher, stronger, um, more resilient. I don't know. I'm, I'm, but the way up is down in the kingdom of God. And that's surrender. 
And, and it's surrender. surrender. It is surrender. And surrender is the hardest place for any of us, but it's really hard for men because men perceive that as weakness when in fact it's, it's strength. strength. It's strength. This is, I need you to listen to me, men, right now. Right now. In our weakness, he is strong. 2 Corinthians 4, 2 Corinthians 12. You humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, 1 Peter 5, and he will lift you up. And i tell you one thing. Allie and I, we talk about it here all the time. The whole crew, we talk about it here. My wife and I pray for it. We want an awakening. And I'll tell you, we had Raleigh Washington in here not too long yeah. ago. With Promise Keepers for years, you worked with them. Yeah, both of you. Years. And he said we need, he said a bold statement that's been uh, chasing me. Mm-hmm. And he said, until we see a movement of men in our nation again, we will not see awakening. Women, God bless you. You ladies have been, you, you evangelized Africa, frankly, and you reached, you're, you're the trailblazers spiritually. And Raleigh said that. But what's, what's amazing is, is that God wants to use men humbled, contrite, finding power on our knees, not bowing our back, flexing energy. And that's, I, I need to tell you, man, that's the secret sauce. Gary, final word, and then we're going to go to another question. Well, and I did uh, events for PK for 12 years with Raleigh. And in those events are- PK is promise keepers. Promise for keepers those of you that are new in guys. Christ, it was a big men's movement. Yeah that was smoking this nation. And quite frankly, Satan aligned himself against it. Uh, well, he did. And, um, and so that movement that we were a part of and that Raleigh was a part of was from, in many ways, I mean, it was a national movement and became an international movement. But for the man sitting back saying, I missed that, or the family that's sitting back say, I yearn for that, a movement like that starts in the chest of every man listening. It starts in the chest of a man that is willing to humble himself, as Scripture says, and drop to the knee and say, God, start with me. And let that movement start in the home. And so sometimes we're so focused on going outside the home in order to do a movement. Well, that movement starts when a righteous man surrenders. And he says, I cannot do this apart from the power of Jesus Christ in my life. And when God does that, God will move mountains. Yeah. Okay, what do we got here? I want to get a quick uh, word from Barb here because I I know her conviction is for this woman who wrote their question. I know many women feel that. What do you do? What's the practical, specific thing you can do to get through the day? I mean, it took your husband two years to come home. What's a wife to do in those while she's waiting and praying? Well, um, I think I would, I'm trying to be ginger, cliff notes. Uh, Shanti and Jeff Feldon are incredible marriage researchers. Read everything they write. Yeah, we got to get Shanti book. on here. Oh, She's oh, phenomenal. And, and Jeff, is, Jeff too. is too. They are beautiful. Bottom line, Jeff has reported that a man's number one need is the need for a sense of adequacy. Am I enough? Mm-hmm. Am I adequate? A wife's number one need. And both of these really line up with our book, The, the Six Secrets of a Lasting Love and The Five Love Needs of, of Men and Women. Which say this, that a woman's number one love need is that to be loved unconditionally. A woman is continually asking, am I lovable? Mm-hmm. Am I worthy of your love? Would you marry me all over again? Am I beautiful? A man is asking, 
Am I adequate? Yeah, can I get the job done? And it's interesting. We were with Jeff and Shanti recently, and what they said was the two words, this is their research, clinical research. Clinical Uh, research. This is extensive research. Harvard people. They said the two words that a man most needs to hear is thank you. Thank you. And it's amazing that that's one thing I think a wife can do is to say thank you when her husband does something well, because that will affirm that he's on the track in order to help build and strengthen his marriage. So when this dear woman that called, I mean, her husband is working a 12-hour shift, but she is too at home. And she's not getting paid breaks and, you know, lunches and and everything else. (laughs) So here, both people, do both people need thank you? Absolutely. But if he can understand that he needs to express love, you are beautiful, you are lovely, I love you, I would marry you all over again. If she says to him, thank you, thank you for what you're doing outside the home. And then on a day when they are outside of the home and they've had some magical moments, um, whatever they've done that have filled those magical moments, they can sit down and go, you know what? We are, it's got to be team we. We are stronger than you alone or me being independent of you. We've got to do the roles together, the chores together. We've got one here that is great. And I want to jump right in the deep end here. This is so honest. This woman is saying, I have been the spiritual head of my house. What should a wife do who's always been the spiritual head so that her husband can have some room to grow? Barb Rosberg. A number of years ago, um, our our oldest daughter was on a... uh, a basketball team. And Sarah, oh, I just named her. (laughs) (laughs) We only have one oldest daughter. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, You know what? Sarah was not athletic in the day, like junior high school, seventh grade. And uh, is is anyone really athletic in that day? That's a funny day. I don't know. But I I will say she takes it all from me. I tell my grandkids, run Run from from the the ball. ball. Okay. They hate it when you say that. Well, actually, their dads do. So anyway, uh, Sarah was, you know, she she just didn't want to make friends with the ball. She didn't want to shoot the ball. She didn't want to receive the ball. But I remember there was one game. And she had this wonderful uh, coach, Mr. Seatman. And he said, I heard him say something. And I was sitting behind, you know, the team. And the score was, you know, pretty even. And they were hoping that they would win. And I heard Mr. Seatman say, let Sarah have the ball. And all the girls on the team made sure they passed that ball off to Sarah. And I watched her face when they passed that ball off to her. And she was just like, you're trusting me? You're going to let me have the ball? And so she she took down the court and she shot the ball. And I don't think that she made it. But what it did in her face, we drove home that day and she was in the back seat and she was radiating. And I said, Sarah, how was the game for you? It was wonderful. Mom, they let me have the ball. They let me have the ball. <laughs> you know, I got home and this is back in the day, the dark day. When Gary was working on his doctorate. Oh, it was in the dark day. It was in the dark day. And I realized that I was really good at leading the home, that I could make those two-pointers. I could make those three-pointers. I could really do it. I'm, I'm well-versed. I'm a woman. I'm good at things. But in reality, was I stealing that from my husband by stepping into a place that, that 
he was best suited for to lead, to guide, to protect, to journey with love over a family. And I realized didn't matter. And it was symbolic to me, just as I saw my child in a position where um, maybe she she wasn't used to doing it. Well, if I stood back, doesn't matter who's in charge. It, it matters that God has it, that he's utilizing Gary. And I had to step over and I had to release the ball of control in our home and allow and encourage my husband, honey, it's yours. I've been praying for you to come home. And it wasn't so much in what I said, but was my attitude, Carl. It was my attitude like, this is God's area for my husband to grow him. And I wouldn't want Gary to step into my lane with God if God had something special for me in the same way I wouldn't want to do that with Gary. So I learned it through my child. You know, it's interesting. Um, Boy, I've got, this this is an epiphany for me sitting here today we've this is a this is a hard issue that we got to get after is husband wife constant thread theme throughout our show more and more because a man until sometimes let until you let balls drop ladies the man will not see the need for his brokenness but when that ball's sitting on the floor and he knows that's his to pick up and you no longer use a common term enable him but you leave that ball sitting there, it puts him in a beautiful why in the road between him and God that he has a choice. And afford him that opportunity is what you'd say, right, Barb? Give him a chance. Absolutely. It's a high and holy calling. That trust is trusting God with things that are too large for us. Yeah. Gary, I know you've got some things to say. Well, men and women, co-equal. Totally equal. Yeah. Men and women, co-value. Yes. It's got nothing to do with that. It's got everything to do with role. Role. And when a man uh, is married to a woman who steps up and takes the role that God has prescribed for us as men, then the man will never step up because the vast majority of men, and I've counseled and coached men for four decades, men feel a sense of inadequacy, just like Jeff and Shanti Felden going back to their research. Men feel inadequate. Because our wives, I mean, I look at Barb, and from the day I met her, she had just come to Christ. I started to pursue her. She rejected me. And I said, why? She said, because I'm going to marry a godly man. And I said, you're going to reject me for somebody you can't see? And she said, in a heartbeat. And I was like, what? Who is this Jesus? Now, that was the 70s, and that led me to ultimately to come to Christ. Barb knows more, is closer to God. There have been seasons where she, she could rock it as a leader. But it's not God's design. Yeah, man. And so if she steps back and allows me to fulfill that, what God calls me to do, you're right. Many times it'll come when I drop a ball. But when I do pick it up, you know what? God puts me back in position. Yeah, right on. And then the family order starts to make sense. Taking your questions this morning. We've got questions for about marriage with our experts today, Dr. Gary and Barb Rosberg. They are marriage coaches. They've been doing this for a lot of years. Get your questions in by text or phone call 312-274-9624. Coming up, let's tackle this one. We've got a husband and wife who are struggling with infertility, and it's causing some issues in their marriage. Yeah, we've got a lot of very personal ones coming in, some saying, can I remain anonymous? Everyone will. We're not shouting out names or numbers. We don't have your name. We're not going to shout out a number. This is a safe place to ask a good question.
You know, right now you might be broken. This is amazing that this song is in the hopper that we're going to play right now. God has used this song, hasn't he, Super Die? Oh, absolutely. God has used this song. It was just a few weeks ago that we played this actually back to back. Just played it back to back. I remember that. Remember that? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to ask you right now, if you're a man that feels like the Holy Spirit is just smoking you right now because you're not the man that you need to be, it's okay. God can do in you what you could never do in yourself. You died and your life is now hidden with Christ and God if you're born again. Your shot of hope to make it through the day. It's Carl and Crew Mornings. All right, guys, here we are. It's Ask the Experts Week. This has been amazing already. We've got a few days left. Dr. Gary and Barbara Rosberg with us here this morning. Quick programming note. I want to remind you of this event that's coming up this weekend. Carl's going to be speaking in Naperville, and we're inviting you to come out. It's a free event. There's going to be some Q&A, a pancake breakfast. I want to get you the details. It's totally free, but we do need you to RSVP. So just text the word ALIVE. Come Alive is the name of the speaking event. So just text ALIVE to 312 312- Two seven four nine six two four. Just text the word alive. Speaking of text, this is one I have right in front of me from a listener who says, my husband and I struggle with infertility. I didn't get married until I was 35. We've been married now five years. We both talked about wanting children before marriage. My husband says it'll happen when it'll happen, but I feel like time is running out. I'm sad by his lack of action and his kind of seeming apathy toward all of this. Man, I'm sorry. Mm. Really sorry, because when when one of you and I, I'll say, you know, I'll speak for the woman when you long, when you are longing for a child to hold in your arms and to nurse at your breast. I mean, this this can be excruciating. Yeah. And I'm sorry. And yet I want to also, Gary, uh, you have a wonderful quote about from um, Frank Lawback. Mm. about stress. Can you share that? Well, Lawback says that we need to guard our heart and we need to say tender before the Lord because it only takes 15 minutes to harden our heart. Mm. And I think one of the things that I would say to this family is don't go it alone. Do not go it alone. So that woman needs to step into a safe place with a pastor, a counselor, a mentor, uh, somebody who's discipling so that they don't go it alone, because infertility eats the heart of the intimacy of the marriage. And so when there's a yearning that Barb is talking about there, uh, Allie and Carl, I really believe that that what they need to do is they need to put that into the light, take it out of the darkness, because Satan works in the darkness, put it into the light, run after connection and relationship and the safety of a a healthy place to help them sort that and and to, to walk through that. Because they not only need to sort through it, they need to grieve, and then they need to come with the hope. But they can't come to the hope until they grieve what God has not done. But God's not done as well. So God is not finished as well. And and that's where Barb and I, when we work with uh, infertility, and we've done some coaching on that and some videos on that, actually, uh, we know that that a person that says, you know what, I to her husband, I cannot just carry this alone. We need to carry to a place that is safe, secure, that's godly, so that we can sort through the issues and get the grief, but also the hope. Yeah. And you know, when a husband goes quiet like that, or feels like the wife feels like he's maybe given up, there is probably a sense in which he feels like a failure. Yeah. Or he feels like 
he's carrying this load and this disappointment in his own heart. Sometimes, I'll say this as a man, sometimes a quick dismissal of a man is because he's aching in the isolation of the pain of the situation and bringing it into the light is the remedy. Bring it in, man. Bring it in. Find a trusted friend, go to a pastor, get the elders, call them together, bring them by the house, whatever you got to do. Get the anointing oil out and pray. Good stuff, guys. The only way to turn wounds into sacred scars is to let God meet you there. God wants to do that. We've got a question on the table for our guests, Gary and Barb Rosberg. This is a tough one. Woman married to a lot, man for a lot of years, had sexual addiction. The guy got broken before the Lord, and God is doing a work. God bless you, man. And he's now meeting with a group of men, and he's getting victory, and she's able to hold his hand, but she can't get intimate with this guy. For all the right reasons, I mean, there's a lot of pain there. What do you say, guys? Well, Carl, I would say she is getting intimate with him. That's a great word. She is. I mean, the courage for that woman after decades of sexual addiction, where there was a third person in that bed, so to speak, uh, through visual memory, through uh, any number of ways, she is intimate with him. And that intimacy, I mean, I'm so proud of her that she would take the risk to hold his hand because holding hands is incredibly intimate, that physical touch. And it starts there. You know, I, I remember a guy, we were speaking in Dallas, and a guy came up to me and he said, Rosberg, he said, I've never had anybody help me. I'm a sex addict. I've had several sexual partners. I've been addicted for years. I'm a veteran. And he said, do you have anything for me? And I said, here's what I got for you. The next time you're having intimacy with your wife, I want you to open your eyes. And he, he said, what? I said, I want you to open your eyes. Now, don't startle her. Yeah, I mean, don't, you know, just shock you her with open yards, but I want you to open your eyes. He said, why? I said, because when you open your eyes during physical intimacy with your wife, I guarantee you cannot be preoccupied with those visual fantasies. That's a great mm. word. And, and he said, no one's ever said that to me before. And I said, well, I've never said that to anyone before. I mean, God just gave me that. Barb and I got back on the platform. I remember Phillips, Craig and Dean were with us and, and they did some music. We got back on the platform, finished our deal. And at the end of the night, we had the couples holding hands and we had them praying together. Well, the guy races up on the platform, this Lake Point Church in Rockwell, Texas. And he said, it worked. It worked. And you're like, what? Yeah, I said, hey, we only took a 45 minute yeah. break. You know, what do you mean it worked? Yeah, tell me you weren't in the parking lot. And he said, no, 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 no. He said, you know, Gary, you and Barb said that emotional, sexual, and spiritual intimacy are all interwoven. And I said, yeah. And he said, so at the end, when you said, let's take each other's hands and pray, he said, I opened my eyes. And my wife looked at me and said, close your eyes. The guy's praying up there. Close your eyes. <laughs> and he looked at her and he, and he looked at me and I got the, the, the incredible blessing of this guy. And he just shook his head and he said, no, baby, I'm opening my eyes because we're one. Wow. And he said, I can't wait to go home. Now, here's what I would say to that woman. By her holding hands with him. They are breaking the back of Satan. Boom. That wants to steal, kill, and destroy that biblical marriage. I'm so stinking proud of her. Yeah, I mean, that's she's a right warrior. Yeah. And when she starts with holding hands, and then they start to pray together, and they keep their eyes open. Don't, don't close your eyes. God's got you covered on that. And look into each other's eyes. 
And that, then you go from holding hands. And, and there's, we wrote a book on sex called The Five Sex Needs of Men and Women. And uh, God's plan for great sex is what we call it. And we studied 700 couples and looked at what do you need in order to have great sex in a godly marriage. And one of the things that we talked about was non-sexual touch. That's the number two need for, for women. And so when that guy moves systemically, because that's what you got to do, you got to do a little bit at a time. Right. You know, and then they take the risk to kiss. And then they take the risk to hug. And then they take the risk and they, they just little by little begin to rebuild it. The intimacy is going to occur because the intimacy already is occurring. Yeah, I mean that's that's the biggest takeaway. You that risk to take his hand is intimate, very intimate. Barb, you got something to add here? It's about safety. Yeah. You've got to experience safety in order to grow trust. And I would encourage everyone listening that is dealing with an issue like this or similar to this in marriage, it's the one that is the most tender, the most hurt, who has been affected by uh, your choices, allow them to tell you when they're ready to do something more than holding your hand. But be all in when you're holding your hand. Create the safety net that will draw them in and feel like there's more trust in the relationship. Powerful stuff. Let's. I want to stay here just for a little bit longer, and we'll we'll take a quick great break and come back to it. But what about when there's not and been any sin or abuse, but one partner has just simply lost desire? We've got the uh, questions on that line too, where one person just doesn't want to mm-hmm. at all, and mm-hmm. so they're trying to submit. This person says, "But I just can't. I flat out don't want to." Hang on, answers to that question and ones like it coming up. Get more from your morning show. Check us out on social media. Just search Carlin Crew Mornings on Facebook and Instagram. All right, we've got Ask the Experts all week long today. Dr. Gary and Barb Rosberg here. By the way, top of the 8 o'clock hour, we got a special treat. We've got Young Thunder's going to be crooning in here. It's going to be a sweet time, back by request, high demand. Uh, but we are tackling a very sensitive but very relevant topic this morning. And I'll read a text that came in, but I know that there are many people who have the same question. This is a couple that's been married 36 years. says, our biggest struggle is intimacy and sex. His love language is touch. Mine is not. We don't have sex because I don't desire it ever. I know God wants me to submit, but I just can't. What do you suggest? Well, in, in 1 Corinthians 7, 5, and I got to get my glasses on. Paul says, do not deprive each other except by mutual consent and for a time so you can devote yourselves to calling your mother back. Wait, what? <laughs> or you, you can devote yourself to cleaning the laundry or you devote yourself. And that's not what Paul says. He says, so you can devote yourselves to prayer. Mm-hmm. He said, then come back together lest you too be tempted by Satan because of your lack of self-control. And when we entertain that question, and Allie, we get that question because we do conferences, and one of the things we talk about is sexual intimacy. And this is hardball. Um, But when I stepped into the covenant of marriage with Barb Rosford 47 years ago, and that's amazing to me that we've been married 47 because she's only 39. And I, (laughs) um, but when we stepped into marriage, I became God's only provision for the sexual needs of my wife. And yeah. she became God's only provision for the sexual needs for me. And so at the core of this, at the core of this, 
in order to help meet that need. And does that need at times get inhibited? Yes, it does. Are there seasons of stress and medication and illness and hospitalizations and depressions and all of those things? Absolutely. Is it understandable that often it is inhibited? Absolutely, it's inhibited. However, when you have two people in this marriage relationship, and that is a provision, just like we said to the person that was struggling with the infertility, we implore people, put that into the light. Yeah. Put into the light with somebody that can help sort that. And don't be insecure about bringing that to somebody. So start with a physician um, to identify, is there a reason physically? Because many times there's a physical thing that's cooking in there that you need to rule out. And as a counselor, I would always send people back to their medical doctor first. But when that kind of erosion has happened in a relationship, um, then what we suggest is that you get some appropriate help in order to put it into the light to walk through that issue so that both people can seek an understanding. Because people don't talk about it. Yeah. People become two silos uh, living as brother and sister in a marriage, and they don't know where to go. Yeah. Here's the reality. I think it was years ago, uh, Cliff and Joyce Pinner wrote a book called The Gift of Sex. And if they didn't, I hope they did, because that's a great title. <laughs> and within marriage, and I want to, and though we do have a sex book, the five sex needs of men and women, how to have great sex in a godly marriage. And folks, I just want to say something. It's about much of the time, the way you treat your wife outside of the bedroom that creates within her the desire for you, her husband. Uh, sex within marriage is a great gift from God. I mean, Dr. Daniel Amen, who is a psychiatrist, quite noted, and we'll talk about all the beautiful chemicals that come alive within the human brain and body from when we come together in marriage and its intimacy spiritually, emotionally, sexually. It's a gift within marriage. So, Gary, when you're talking about inhibited sexual desire— Go to the doctor. I mean, it could be any number of things. It could be a cause for medications, maybe and something unresolved in your heart, in your world, in your relationship. It might be hormones. It might be you've got teenagers. I mean, it could be any number. It's a fallen world, folks. But the beauty of is this. When only one person, even one person, is advocating for this element of our marriage relationship. We're keeping it pure. We're keeping it vital. Mm -hmm. We're asking God to come into areas where maybe you've never asked him before. Yeah. And what a lovely and beautiful place to align with God in our marriages. Coming up here, we want to, we've got a question that came in. Fantastic guys. This is awesome. We're in the pocket here, by the way, you've just tuning in. Uh, Dr. Gary and Barb Rosberg are with us here. They have, spent many years coaching, discipling, encouraging couples in marriage. And we've got a phenomenal question here because sometimes it's good to point and paint a picture biblically of what a healthy marriage looks like. So coming up, what in the world does a healthy marriage look like? We know it's not perfection. We know there's a battle. We know there's a war going on. But what's it look like? Got to go into work? Don't worry. Check out the Carlin Cruz Showcast wherever you like to stream. 
You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. All right, we're going to go lightning round on some questions. That's one of them. Somebody said, how do I hear this again? Text the word show to our number here. The entire broadcast, but without songs or any spots, will be crunched down. Text the word show to 312 312- Two seven four nine six two four. Also, want to let you know about an event that's coming up later this month, November twelfth. It's a Saturday morning out in Naperville. Carl's going to be speaking at Grace Point Church. If you want to be a part of it, it's a free event: pancake breakfast, uh, Q- some Q and A with Carl. Text the word "alive" to three one two two seven four nine six two four. I know many of you live in the western suburbs, so this should be a great event that you can uh, bring a friend to. Text "alive" to three one two two seven four nine six two four. Okay, got a question here, Gary and Barb. A good one. Uh, Paint a picture, blue sky, of what a really healthy marriage looks like. I've got my paintbrush out. Go, Barb. Barb, go get the first strokes. Yeah, she is an artist. (laughs) I am an artist, but you know, uh, if it, hey, if mama's happy, everybody's happy. (laughs) If daddy ain't happy, nobody cares. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) that's your line, huh? (laughs) But I'm going to say something. After 47 years, lots of seasons, highs and lows, uh, good times, bad times, when there is joy in our home, Carl, there's ease, there's the power of unity, there's a power of agreement, there is mutual, here's the word, mutual honor and respect for both people. And you know what? There's a sacred boundary around the marriage. There's a boundary where no other man, woman, or child is going to come between us. And we can laugh, and we can have joy, and we can go through problems. We can go through very low times, but we will laugh twice as hard when we come through it. So uh, that's that's just my short list. <laughs> well, that's that, well, that's awesome because you aren't painting a picture that a healthy marriage is infallible. You aren't painting a picture that it is without challenges, but it's soldiers through these things because there's this mutual love and respect. Yeah, there is. Uh, we wrote a book called the the uh, Six Secrets to a Lasting Love, and we assess sixty different things that a husband and a wife need in a marriage, but we boiled it down to the top six. And number one is forgiveness. And what we have learned is if you do not know how to resolve conflict and experience forgiveness, you will never experience a great marriage. It starts there. And, uh, and we teach it out of Philippians 2, which isn't a marriage passage, but it's a relationship passage. And one of the things that Barb and I will say is that it's the vertical relationship that a man and a woman have with Christ, that when that is cooking, it's the spillover of their vertical relationship yeah. that spills onto the horizontal. Boom. You cannot fix a marriage horizontally. You cannot fix a marriage. And we wrote a book, The Five Love Needs of Men and Women. But you can't meet each other's needs. You can't meet those needs unless you are pursuing Christ. And so that forgiveness, experiencing forgiveness with Christ and then with one another. You're, you're listening to Gary and Barb and you're going, uh, they've re- referenced several books. <laughs> Were you just thinking that, I was Ellie? Thinking the yeah. Same thing. And in how many books have you guys written? Like thirteen, maybe. Yeah, twelve. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I know that Lost they're count. in sixteen languages. I know that. Um, tw- I, I think. Do you have any in English? <laughs> yeah, but we're all lot, set. There's a lot of pictures because it's kind of hard. Yeah, I'm with you. It's kind of hard to read. No, so, that's great. So when our oldest grandson was just like two years old, he was so adorable. He still is, by the way. And um, he made his grandparents. So, of course, we all know what that's like if your grandparents. Anyway, inside words. Um, he looked up at the wall in our house once and he goes, 
why are there so many Bibles with your pictures on it? <laughs> oh, that's so cute. They weren't Bibles. Yeah, they were just her books. Your yeah. books. Yeah. Yeah. You aren't prone to putting your pictures on Bibles, that's for sure. No. We do have a website for you, americasfamilycoaches.com, americasfamilycoaches.com. If you want to learn more about the Rossbergs, our guest today, and see some of their resources, americasfamilycoaches.com. All right, we got a dude texting in oh, here. Oh, I, th- I saw this one, too. Yeah, uh, this is great. He's He was emotionally, let's begin, I'm going to reverse engineer this. He was emotionally abandoned himself. And let me ask it straight up here. How should an emotionally detached husband be working on connecting with his wife who has expressed feeling hopeless exhaustion in the marriage from being emotionally abandoned for so long? Let me say that again so you guys got this. I was actually heading the wrong direction when I started. Here we go. How should an emotionally detached husband be working on connecting with his spouse who has expressed feeling hopeless exhaustion in the marriage from being emotionally abandoned for so long? So here's the bottom line. A woman was put on the ash heap of leftovers, and now he's regained it, but she's fried. She's exhausted. Hang on. Answer to that one. Coming up. Whether it's number one or 100, take that step with Jesus today. You're listening to Carlin Crew Mornings. All right, here's the essence of the question, guys. We got Dr. Gary and Barb Rosberg with us. Ask the experts all week long. Today we're tackling marriage with a couple of real pros. And what makes them pros, by the way, is their own story of brokenness and humility before the Lord. This isn't gadget hour. This is about getting down on it. The yeah. power of the Holy Spirit. Right, Allie? I mean, totally. that's what it's about. Yeah. Okay, got a question here. And and by the way, this applies to so many people. Here's the picture that this text paints. An emotionally abandoned spouse for years, left on the ash heap of leftovers. Now we're trying to, they are now recognizing, I've got to help this person out of this mess. How does someone who's married to someone that they abandoned so long help them get out of that ash heap of feeling so alone. You know, one of the things that we see in marriage coaching is that invariably one person is leaning into the marriage while the other person is leaning out. So there's, it's systemic. So then when the other person starts to lean in, then the person that was leaning in begins to lean out. Yeah. The goal is to get them both to lean in. They lean in, number one, when there's a sense of safety and trust, and Barb addressed that earlier. So when you put a boundary around that relationship and a husband and wife say, we're going to guard the heart of our marriage with a boundary around it, but then we're going to put the wall of self-protection down between the two of us, and we're going to start with taking risk transparently, take vulnerability emotionally, and then open up ourselves to one another spiritually. That takes time. One person can start that. So when a man looks into the face of a woman and says, I know that I've abandoned you. I know I've left you on that ash heap. I know because God has convicted me of that and I want to come home. So I want to learn to guard the heart of our marriage and begin to connect to your heart. They can start that. But you know what? It's just like the sexual intimacy questions. It starts with holding the hand. It starts with one conversation. It starts with one walk. It starts with one chat over some apple cider where you say, I love you, I'm committed to you, and I want to learn to access you. And Barb and I have written for years on communication. 
And we've learned over the last couple of years, and it's what we're teaching now. It's not communication. That's not the key to marriage. Yes. It's connection. Yeah. And let me ask you a question, Barb, about this, because it seems to me that a woman would appreciate deeply a deep, heartfelt, snot coming out of both nostrils, if you must, acknowledgement that I left you on a ash heap. Owning that, how much does that help? Oh, it's like, will you say it out loud? Just validate that it happened. And then truly, I believe a couple can move past it. But until it's validated, um, years ago, we used to teach that it it would be like, um, I, I would say, a woman going to a file cabinet. Now, some people are going, what's a file cabinet? <laughs> <laughs> Is that like I'm, Google Drive? I'm not totally yeah. dating myself. No, you but go into a folders you're going on into your folders Google Mail. And you keep pulling this one folder out and you're leaving it open until somebody validates what happened in that mm. folder. You can then together close it up and put it away inside your computer. Right, Carl? But here's, here, you're, you're saying it right. Tell me it happened. Validate that you hurt me. I don't believe, I do not believe that a person who loves Christ and has surrendered their heart wants to hold on to anything. I, Why? I think you're right. Because we want to live in freedom and we want to go through life as a married t- couple together as one in oneness. I mean, it doesn't have to be perfect, but come on, let's be messy and figure out how to get there. Here's my side. Here's your side. Here's my side again. Okay. I get you. I understand you. Oh man, did I hurt you like that? Oh, oh, I remember a time I felt that kind of hurt. Are you kidding me? Oh, I never want to hurt you like that again. That's kind of a a saga between a husband and wife or two friends. They're putting the relationship over the issue. And by the way, for the sake of the next generation and the next generation coming up past them, I'm telling you, we have got to get this together in our homes and in our marriages and resolve it. It's not going to be perfect. It doesn't always feel good, but we get free on the other side of boom, it. Gary, boom, what would boom. you say? Well, I would say the thing that inhibits that is shortcuts. It's shortcuts. And what I find with a lot of men is when their back's up against the wall, they begin to mitigate the risk. So they think, if I tell my spouse everything, their relationship may be at risk. But until they tell their spouse everything— and they've got the snot coming out of both nostrils. Right. Well, as you said, that's when they get to the core of where they're at. Shortcuts kill marriages. Yep. Pace kills marriages. Um, withdrawal kills marriages. So what it means is I'm all in. And I'm all in first with a confession of my heart, with a broken and contrite spirit. That's the safest place. So the guy that's confessed is the cleanest guy in the room. But when we mitigate that, we take a shortcut and we hold back the information of what's going on. That's when the erosion begins to occur and the relationship pulls apart. It's interesting. What's prompted in my heart here is when Jesus went into the wilderness and he fasted for 40 days and he came out of the wilderness, Satan threw baited him in three ways. One of them was a shortcut. He said, hey, make make a big to do about yourself in the public square. God will hold you up. Well, he was ultimately going to be glorified, but he was glorified on the cross. And the only 
the only shortcut that I see offered up is offered up from Satan. I appreciate that, guys. Yeah. Good stuff. Coming to you live from the Morningstar Mission Sponsor Studios, this is Carl and Crew Mornings on 90.1 FM Moody Radio. All right, it is Ask the Expert Week. Dr. Gary and Barb Rosberg with us right now. I know, we promised Young Thunder he's coming up in just a few minutes. We're a little... We need a little bit of love crooning in here. We got the crooner warmed up and ready to rumble. We'll do that in just a moment. But Allie, recap the question that we have. This is so important. We have special guests with us this morning, Dr. Gary and Barb Rosberg. In our Ask the Experts week today, we're talking marriage. A question came in from a husband who there was some infidelity on his part. It's He said, I've repented. That chapter is closed. My wife does not know about it. Since it's been dealt with, do I need to tell her? God promises freedom. My question is, how free do you want to be? Whew. Yeah, I mean, this reminds me of a story. I, I was speaking to a group of men, several hundred men, and a guy called me at 8.30 in the morning. He went home and confessed his adultery to his wife. He was so convicted. And I talked about the 12 steps to an affair from Tom Eisenman. The 11th step is capitulation. That's when sex occurs. The 12th step is the erroneous step of acceptance. And he said, I had accepted that I had done this, and there was no ever confessing it to her. But, Gary, I was so convicted when you talked about these steps that I knew I could never experience all the intimacy that God had for me if I didn't tell her. So I went home and told her. They came into my office for counseling that day, devastated, devastated. She wanted out of the marriage. He was pleading for a second opportunity because it was now in the light. <clears throat> and God gave me just some uncanny wisdom at that moment. And I said to the woman, I said, do you trust the process of me working with the two of you to the end of this? And it may take us a year, but do you trust the work that God's doing in here? She said, yes. And I said that I'm going to have you write out every question that you have about the adultery. Because it brings up a ton of questions. Three pages, Carl. Oof. Three pages of single space, yellow legal pad. I mean, it was brutal, brutal questions. And she gave me the questions. I met with him. He was a professional guy, very busy guy. I met with him about a dozen times. Mm. And, and, and every one of those sessions, sobbing and, and repenting and desiring to restore, but I worked through every question. But then what God allowed me to do was to go back to her and say, will you trust me to kind of synthesize this so that we don't give you so inform so much information that you can't get through to the other side of it? Because that's one of the problems is the specificity of the issues sometimes get ingrained in the heart of that who's offended, and they don't know how to shake it loose. Now, the postscript to this is Barb and I walk into a restaurant one night, and there's the couple sitting there. And when you've done therapy with people, sometimes they see you and they just start bawling. Well, that's what happened. They just started crying. Well, it was their 25th wedding anniversary. Oh, my word. And they said, only God would allow us to have you guys walk in because <laughs> you know the whole story. Nobody else knows the story. And we got to celebrate with them. Now, we didn't buy their dinner. I probably should have, Barb. But, <laughs> but, you know, what a great reminder that God restored it. Now he restored it on a firm foundation. Yeah. Because when we withhold that information, the enemy's got it and he keeps us in the darkness. And just when we begin to lean into the potential for true 
intimacy, that surrendered emotionally, sexually, spiritually, that's when the enemy reminds us of that and erodes any sense of the connection. And love can happen in powerful ways. Their tears streaming down their face were tears of joy. Yes. Just tears of joy. And freedom. And freedom. And, you know, we all long to be known and to be seen and to be heard. Talk about wealth in a marriage once you've exposed even those times when you've hurt your spouse. And and what's remarkable, I mean, I worked with another couple and the woman um, committed adultery and the man heard her talking to his uh, the woman that, that the man that she was sleeping with, and they came into my office that day as well, and it was remarkable. I said to the guy, "What are you going to do?" There's hardly a pastor in the country yeah. that wouldn't say you've got an out. And he he raised his head and he said, "Gary, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to win my wife back." And she raised her eyes and she said, "You would want me after what I've done." And listen to what he said. He said, "You cheated on me, but I cheated you." Ooh, man, that's righteous. That guy took the low road of humility, and he won his wife back because he knew that he had not stewarded, he had not loved, he had not cherished. So did he cheat on her? Yeah. No, he but cheated he cheated her. her. And you know what? More of us need to own up to that reality. Oh, you know what? Here we come back to it again. We started here two and a half hours, two hours ago. It's all born out of humility. Yeah. So in this, so just kind of to get the short answer. So in every instance, you recommend, yes, the for the spouse who's been unfaithful and it's not been detected, even if it's been resolved, you need to tell your spouse, is that where we land here? You know, Allie, it's risky. It's hard. Um, Barb and I, we did 22 years of calling radio. We would drive people back to their pastor at every one of these yes. questions. Mm-hmm. Because every one of these questions need to be dealt with, with the safety and security of the shepherd that they have submitted to. So we would push any of your listeners back to their local pastor yeah, that's and good. bring it up there, walk through that, get the wisdom, and then get the support on the front end so you don't just go in and blare uh, something out and, and then just have all of the, the carnage fallout, of yeah. that. But build the safety and trust with the confession with a godly man, a godly woman, so that you can get to the other side. And coming right back to it, we've got a blue sky of what God can do. There is nothing like intimacy. And real intimacy can't be had without wading through the brokenness of life. Guys, I'm going to say it again. We're all in recovery here. No one's arrived. This notion that we've got recovery ministries or things. No, we're all in recovery. Coming up in a minute and a half. We're going to bring some joy, levity, and love into this show. We're going to give, uh, we might not do the whole song. We might go right up to Super Die when she gets on the horns here, but uh, we're going to have some fun. We've also got questions teed up, so many of them coming in this morning. And we want to hear from you. You've got a question for Dr. Gary and Barb, 312-274-9624. Coming up, a question from somebody who's been listening. What about singles? How come married people in the church treat singles like we'd be doing better if we were married? That's a fair one. Yeah, when Paul said the opposite. Hang on, that's coming up. Hang on with the team after the show. Just follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Curl and Crew Mornings. Ask the experts all week long. Today it's been an incredible treat. And uh, we're gonna we're gonna give you a couple of things. Number one, if you want to hear some incredible content on marriage that deals with everything from uh, abandonment, uh, sexual intimacy, um, 
you name it, how to really have love, how men reject passivity and move toward their woman and everything in between. Just get our showcast. If you've never gotten it, today's the day. All week long, we're going to have these experts in here. This has been amazing. This has been phenomenal. And uh, I want you to get it. It's easy to get the showcast. Just text the word show to 312-274-9624. Just text the word show. Okay. Um, Also, some people have been asking, where do I find these guys? These guys are great. Where's these guys in all their (laughs) books and all this stuff? AmericasFamilyCoaches.com. That's the website. It's going to be the hub to get you to their books and a little bit more about their story. AmericasFamilyCoaches.com. Okay. uh, The word narcissist is thrown around a lot. And, and to be fair, um, it's it's become such common nomenclature. The downside with it is that it pigeonholes people or it can put ourselves above others. We had a question that came in that said several about several, describing yeah. a spouse as a narcissist, as a narcissist. Yep. Um, let's revisit this. Why would you say and I'm going to start with you, Barb. Why would you say don't use that word necessarily on uh, name calling? Yeah, you know when you're a right kid. There. Remember when you're a kid and your mom said, "Don't call people names." Yeah, and if your mom didn't say that to you, I'm saying it to you now. <laughs> I mean, it's it's, to mom, it's so anti Christ. Christ, yes. Now, come on, um, we look to God because we ne- we have a hole in our heart that only Jesus Christ can fill. And I believe his words were come unto me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. That includes a lot of people, doesn't it? Um, and, almost everyone. And every one of us. I mean, when I hear when I read that verse, I just want to I want to go home to daddy and I just want to lay my head on his shoulder and I want a place of rest. So can we be like Christ in this world and be the come unto me? Yeah. Come home. Uh, come home to your faith. Come home to a God who loves you. Come home to a place you're not going to get your needs met in what you do and what you say and where you work and who you are and all the titles because been there, done that, it doesn't work. Yeah. But But we don't have to ignore some of the... Uh, Sin that is behind a word like that, that are better descriptors, and we find them in Scripture. Well, how would you capture the problems, the challenges that these spouses are up against with spouses that they label as narcissists? What's really going on biblically? Well, I think it's selfishness. I think it's pride. Okay. I think it's arrogance. I think it's self-centeredness. You know, it's remarkable. Um, and first of all, Barb's great answer to that is why, Allie, the name of our radio show wasn't the Dr. Gary and Barb show. It was Barb Rosberg and what's his name? <laughs> and I'm what's his name? And um, so you, you just heard 22 years old, of, uh, 22 years of radio. Okay, experience. I'm 22 years old. No, She'll take it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But it, and, and it breaks my heart because the, the people that um, called in those kinds of questions, they're brokenhearted. Yeah. I mean, they're hurting. They're yeah, they're frustrated. It's real. Because they're living with somebody who is running rampant mm-hmm. with demandingness, with, with self-centeredness, with um, lording something over, with lack of integrity, those issues. But I would just caution people. And, it, and my, this, you know, the hair goes back up on my neck again. Um, when I hear non-clinical people uh, using a clinical term um, that, I mean, I spent seven years in graduate school to get to use those big words that... Uh, but and you, I don't but use you them. don't use them. And I don't even use them. 
<laughs> I don't. But I do use pride. I do use selfishness. Yeah, right on. And because it's sin. And every one of us falls short of the glory of God. And so what do we need to do? We need to put that sin into the light. We need to put demandingness. Larry Crabb wrote a book, Inside Out. It's one of my favorite books. Boy, that book will tear you up from the inside out. You know, we taught it in our church at the time, the video series. Yeah. And it started with about 100 people. By the end of the series, there were 800 people in that room. And And Barb and I were just, we were just monitoring it. I mean, we were just introducing it and answering some questions. The place was jam packed. And I told Larry that before he died, we were speaking together in Portland. And I said, you know, Larry, people were rocking with that book because what he says is above the waterline, it's like a iceberg. He said, Christians try to think good thoughts, feel good feelings and do good behaviors. But when you go below the line of self-protection, and he said, that's where troubled reflectors live because that's the nature of our heart. You deal with your urges, your memories, your attitudes and your motivations. And he said, when you deal with those things, it's more reflective of who you are. Yeah. And I told him that at a United Club one time. And he said, Rosper, you did read my book. And I said, it, <laughs> it's awesome. Because we all have below the waterline of our life. And that's where demandingness lives. And people who act in a selfish and prideful way are with narcissism. That is what they're saying is, I'm the center of the room. So ultimately, it's a spiritual issue. It's surrendering to Jesus, who is the center of the room. Yeah. Giving hope directly from the source. We're Carl and Crew Mornings. We're going to get back to our marriage questions with our experts in just a minute. I want to make sure you know about an event that's coming up Saturday morning, November 12th, Grace Point, Naperville. If you are in the western suburbs, Carl is going to be out for a pancake breakfast and doing some Q&A. The topic, Say No to Self-Help and Yes to God's Power from his book that we've uh, mentioned a few times here, Seven Resolutions. The event is free, but we do need you to RSVP. So just text the word ALIVE and we'll get you all the details and get signed up. Text ALIVE to 312-274-9624. Yeah. By the way, I'm going to be doing a book signing out there. I just decided that yesterday. So I've got someone here from Moody that's going to be helping me. And his name is Andrew Wilson, and he's a great guy. Yes. Church relations guy. So he's going to be out there with me. So And, and, yes, and, sir. okay, unrequested you know, affirmation here. I read that book when it was in the manuscript form. Yeah. And, uh, Carl, you entrusted that to Barb and I. That book is life-changing. And so we encourage all of your listeners, and it's easier for us to say it than for you to say that. That is real stuff. It's real life, and you meet people in the real need. And so may God bless you and, and increase your tribe because, brother, you nailed it in that book, yeah. Seven Resolutions. It absolutely is. If you've not picked up a copy yet, uh, we're going to have some book copies out there. Yeah, I'm going to be doing a book signing, and I'll stick around as long as I have to. Okay, so text the word ALIVE to 312-274-9624. We'll get you all the details. Okay, Allie, we've got some questions that have come in. There's a lot of similarity. Let's sure. go. Sure. The one that we're focusing on is a marriage that's in crisis. It's a wife who wants out. Her husband is kind of checked out in a lot of ways. He's in leadership in church, but has some lifestyle choices that are uh, really contrary to what he's doing on Sundays. So I'll leave it at that. So what do you say to a marriage that's in crisis and to a spouse who says, I've had enough and I want out? Allie, we're talking about a walkaway wife. Oftentimes, a woman will tell her husband what she needs, her perspective. She'll be very honoring and respectful. And yet... He doesn't hear it for some reason. Mm. He's distracted. He's got his eye on a different ball. 
She'll talk about it. She'll escalate an emotion. Maybe she gets louder and louder and louder and then breaks and quits talking. When she quits talking, she quits trying. And he thinks, oh, good, she's over it. Problem is that when a woman quits talking, she quits trying, and she's now in this discomfortable place of considering walking away. You know, um, when your wife, and many of you might be listening, you think, well, about a year ago, she was really, you know, really messed up about something in our marriage, really, uh, man, she was just tackling me. She was accusing me. She was, bottom line was she was passionate about your marriage. I love Dr. Gary Smalley. He passed away a few years ago, but he said this, that a woman is a walking, talking marriage manual. Guys, listen to your wife. She has been sent by God. She is a helper. Hey, by the way, a helper is stronger and sees things that many times one of you don't see. That's why we need two people in the relationship that bring value, that bring honesty, that bring authenticity, and can take your marriage to the next level. Now, here's the thing. I'm talking to our listener because you're brokenhearted, and I am sorry. And this is complex. This is complicated. He has made bad decisions. Mm -hmm. This is what I'm hearing. And you are probably weighing out how much longer is this going to go Maybe you've given him chance upon chance upon chance. What I hear is this is your second marriage for both of you. So there is an urgency. I'm believing that you want to get this right. Yeah, and the thing that I would just caution her, um, I mean, they need to resolve this. They, they need to put it in the light. They need to have some honest discussion and some help to get to the other yes. side. But what I love to tell people who are getting ready to walk is what if you're just ready to experience what you've always wanted? What if it's right around the corner and you cut too early? Eleventh hour and you're bailing out. And you're bailing when maybe God is just getting ready to reveal the hope. Now, how are you going to get to that twelfth hour? Yeah, that's the question. Yeah, because when you get to the twelfth hour and if you if you cut bait and, and you separate and then you go through divorce, there's incredible ramifications from all of that because you still wake up looking at yourself in the mirror and going, now what do I do? And usually what I have found, and I've done 25,000 hours of marriage therapy, and I want you to know I'm feeling much better since I've done that therapy. <laughs> and, uh, but is I would sit with countless people that would say, Gary, just tell me to get the divorce. Let me get the divorce. And I would say, that's not up to me to tell you that. Now, there are biblical reasons for that, but that's, that's got to take place in the heart of a woman or a man. But what I have said countless times is what I just said to your listening audience, and that is there, there's hope, and that hope springs eternal. Now, you don't just sit back passive and wait for some magical thing to happen. You've got to be active. You've got to put the stuff in the light. And if this guy is in a leadership position in a church and he is not walking with Christ and he's not bringing glory and honor to Christ, that means that the guy's not being held accountable. He doesn't have appropriate authority. He doesn't have people in his life that aren't impressed with him that will move close to him. That's got to change. Because as long as he's living that double life, you know, that's going to erode any trust with that woman. You know, I'm sitting here thinking about all these topics that we've hit this morning. Yeah, there's a lot of topics. And it's been, but there's a common thread here. Every time I've leaned on my own understanding, it's never ended well. Every time I've leaned on the Lord, 
And that's faith, by the way, and we're called to walk by faith, not by sight. The pain doesn't necessarily dissipate immediately, but there is a little ray of light that begins to poke through. And it's it's like this, we're, we constantly have this why in the road before us, don't we, in marriage? Where it's like, what are you going to do? Are we going to use our own understanding and our own human reasoning? Or are we going to go forward with God? And I feel like we're right back at the beginning. Humble yourself under God's mighty hand and he will lift you up. You know, how many times Allie's going to get just so weary of me saying this, but I quote Andrew Murray here all the time out of his book, Humility. He says, humility is the one virtue that gives birth to every other virtue. Mm -hmm. And there's just something about that. You guys must have seen the power of humility over and over to resolve almost anything under the sun. Well, and also in Romans 12, 18, when Paul says, as far as it depends upon you, comma, yeah, Whenever possible, comma, be at peace with everyone. And because we can't change the other person. And I, I was doing my first book for Focus on the Family and on resolving conflict and hurt and forgiveness. And, and I had so many people that would come in with these unbelievably painful yeah. wounds and would just say, Gary, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And I would go back to that first, because as far as it depends upon you whenever possible, be at peace with everyone. You can't change another person, but you can run and and cling to the cross. Yeah, right on. And that's the safest place on earth. Right on. Your shot of hope to make it through the day. It's Carl and Crew Mornings. Well, it's normally time for... What did we learn today? But we're going to kind of preempt that a little bit, and we're going to pray because there's a lot of you still with unresolved issues. Now, you might be saying, how do I get this? You can just text the word show, and you'll get the link to our showcast. You can listen to today's show and any other program that you've missed. Text the word show to 312-274-9624. We got a special request that we will try to honor. Someone said, can you please do as little editing as possible on today's showcast? Because... I really want to listen to this with my husband later on. So we will try to honor that minimal editing. We'll get all of it in there. Show to 312-274-9624. Yeah, a lot of phenomenal comments coming in. Gary and Barb, we've got Gary. No, Barb, yeah. would you pray for our listeners? Oh, if we can, if we can pray together. Let's go. Thank you. Oh, Lord Jesus, thank you so much. For every listener, every man, woman, and child represented, thank you, holy God. These are your kids. Yes. And, Father, this has been hardball. This has been 110-mile-an-hour pitches over the plate from the precious people that have said, my spouse is exhibiting these self-centered and prideful and narcissistic-type behaviors. That's brutal. That's painful. From infidelity um, to infertility to broken hearts. God, would you please meet each and every one of us in the place that we're at and start today? Father, break it down. Break down the walls. Break down the sin. Break down the masks. It's all about masks. Jesus, please come alive in every couple, and we ask this in your name. Amen. 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 And let it be. Hey, this is Carl with Carl and Crew, and I'm so grateful that you listened to this showcast. Thank you mostly for being part of the Boom Crew. 
as we help you take your next step with Jesus, you're a huge encouragement to us. We'll be here again live every weekday morning from 5 to 9 a.m. Godspeed.